I've got a lot to say about the world I occupy every day. But when I say what's on my mind, I find I piss people off. You're listening to What the Folk, real talk and raw tunes for revelationary times. I'm Joy Damiani. I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this episode, we are joined by previous guest, Samantha Hart, who is not only the author of an incredible memoir called Blind Pony, as true a story as I can tell, but also a creative genius and longtime brilliant mind in the music and film world. And she has graciously decided to come on and uh, and ask me about the book I have written, which is currently in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign and is due out on November 11th of this year, Veterans Day. So we hope you'll enjoy that conversation. We also hope that you will head on over to my Kickstarter, which is on my website, joydamiani.com. You can also find it on the podcast website, whatthefolkpod.com. Dot com. And yeah, it's I've written a book about the army and I'm trying to raise funds to self-publish it so that I don't need to worry about the timing or creative control of anybody else. And since we're in the apocalypse, we kind of have to get our hustle on and uh, and and get the thing out there and before the earth kicks us off, you know. So, um, that is our request to you, dear What the Folk fam, for now. And to get us kicked off on this episode, uh, here's one of my songs called If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Tryin', which also happens to be the name of the book. Enjoy. When I was a younger girl, I thought I'd go explore. So I signed up for the army and I went away to war. Before they shipped me off, though they had to train me right, they offered me their best advice so I'd be fit to fight. They said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what the army pounded into my mind. Keep your head down low, don't volunteer to go nowhere. Cheat the system and you'll beat it every time. I thought it sounded funny, but I gave it a try. When they asked an honest question, I responded with a lie. I never raised my hand when they asked for a volunteer, and somehow I made it through. For six god-awful years I knew If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying That's what the army pounded into my mind Keep your head down low, don't volunteer to go nowhere Cheat the system and you'll beat it every time Because we all know that in this life not everything makes sense if something isn't right, that doesn't mean it's wrong. You never have to choose only one side of the fence. Just keep a smile on your face and try to play along. And if you join the army, leave your morals at the door. Never try to figure out just what you are fighting for. Your brain won't get you nothing but a kick in the pants when you're working for the man you've gotta do the dance and if you ain't cheating you ain't trying that's what the army pounded into my mind keep your head down low don't volunteer to go nowhere cheat the system and you'll beat it every time cheat the system and you'll beat it every time Cheat the system and you'll beat it every time. So 
good to see you, Sam. We're all plugged in and amped up and ready to fucking go. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to be doing this because not only because we haven't because we haven't had we haven't released a new episode in a minute because Sarah and I have both had a lot of life things going on, but also because you know we had a chance to talk about your book and and I'm I want to like make sure that we also share with our or what the folk fam, how great your book has been doing and encourage them to keep buying it. But like, but yeah, uh, I wrote a book too. So, and you've both read it and I'm so happy to get a chance to have a, have a conversation about it. Right. The few days before the Kickstarter ends. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Go support the Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think people want to know, Sarah, I mean, why Joy wrote this book? What do you think? I would I would say so. <laughs> I mean, was it something you thought about for a long time, or did it like, like, how did yeah. it come about that you wanted to write this book, Joy? Oh well, this book started out as me being frustrated in my job in the army way back in 2007 and 8 and I had a blog between 2005 and 2008 I had a blog that I wrote anonymously um and I was like I should just turn this into a book or I should write a book from this because this experience in this military has been insane and also kind of hilarious and also very tragic right and um and I want to write about it because I'm a writer and this is what I should do with my talents instead of, and my time instead of writing military propaganda. Um, and then I got sidetracked uh, because I got married to a musician and my life became about parties and shows for a long time. And then I got involved in activism and my life became also about, um, you know, resisting the machine. And, uh, and I kept getting injured and arrested and life just kept getting in the way. And, <laughs> and finally, after all the charges had been settled and, <laughs> and I had finally started getting disability for my PTSD and had a bit of time to breathe, um, I was like, hey, I should write that book. That People keep asking me questions about the military. I never have time to fully answer them because we're backstage at a show or at a party or like you know in the middle of a very public space or we're getting chased by the cops or whatever you know and it's like you can't you don't always have time to explain all the nuance so I I was like I should just kind of answer these questions in in the form that you know they make sense to me which is stories um like I, I want to tell stories that illustrate what the hell I was experiencing from the state of mind that I was in while I was experiencing it. Not necessarily just as a reflection, but as like, I can be my own protagonist, you know, and be, and, and you know about that too, having written a memoir. It's a whole, it's a whole interesting beast. <laughs> yeah. What was the process like when you were writing? Were you, um, was was it hard to go back to those times that you go to in the book, um, revisiting Iraq and all that? I mean, what was it? I mean, obviously it would be hard, but I guess what I mean is, did it take, you know, a daily toll on you or was it cathartic or was it fun or what would you, how would you yeah. describe it as a takeaway? Oh, that's so interesting. I think like, Yes, all of the above um, in different ways. It was very, I think I didn't realize how deeply it was impacting me in the middle of it. But it, when I first started writing the first story, you know, the first little piece that I constructed um, for the book, I actually wrote within a year of getting out of the military um, it was one of the first things that I wrote about the war, and it wasn't even about the war. It was um, the chapter called uh, A Case of the Crud, and it was, uh, you know, just about <clears throat> the experience of getting sick when you're deployed and what that means and what that is and what it was for me. And um, 
And I didn't write another thing until several years later when I was like on the verge of a complete breakdown um, after having gotten arrested at a demonstration in Philly and going through just all of the turmoil that followed. I was charged with, um, you know, assaulting officers who had assaulted me. (laughs) And so I was going through this whole experience and, um, and I had just gone to trial and I had been convicted of all these really fucked up charges. And I was, I was having, having trouble. (laughs) And, and I took some LSD, um, with another veteran friend and, I had this sort of revelation. I was in San Francisco and we went out and watched this incredible sunset on ocean beach. And, um, and I remember just being like, there is some real shit that's wrong with me and I need to work it out. And I remember thinking like, I need to go do manual labor or something, you know, like I need to do something physical and get whatever the fuck, you know, like, and I think that uh, my, uh, a friend from reform school actually was like, she told me like, um, you know, I think you feel that way because in when we were in school, anytime you were struggling, they would put you to work and as a form of punishment. And so it's just what you defaulted to. And the same with the military. They just put you to work. And so um, my meditation teacher at the time, I remember telling him this and I was like, I think I need to go like work on a farm for a while. <laughs> and he was like, I think you maybe just need to go to a cabin in the woods for a couple of months. And um And I had just gotten this disability and I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'll do that. Um, And so I went, I got a guy, I got a cabin in the fucking woods up in Northern California and I brought a typewriter and I brought a record player and, uh, and my camera, my like actual, like my Nikon camera, not like my phone camera and instruments and yoga mat and, um, actually, no, I don't think I brought a yoga mat. I was not really into yoga at that point, but my meditation cushion and everything. And I unfucking plugged, like there was wifi there, but I only used it to like check in with my husband at the end of the day. And I stayed out there for like a month and, and it was in the middle of nowhere. And the first night I thought I was losing my mind. And then I was like, I have this typewriter. So I sat down and I started typing on my typewriter and the next story which was the, the basic training story started coming out. And, um, cause I had nothing else to do, but fucking write it. <laughs> and, um, and it finally came out and that started the sort of wave. And then after that month in that cabin, you know, I, I, um, came back to the world and I talked with one of my friends who's, um, who is no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago but he was a very dear friend and I told him I had started writing this book and he was like, Oh yeah, you, you should definitely write that book. Like I want to read that book. Um, like, yes, there's no reason for you to not write that book. I expect you to, I want, I want that book on my, you know, in my hands next year or whatever in whatever months. And so I sat down and started doing it and, and, um, and he did eventually, he read a draft before he died. I'm very glad that he did, but he, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Chapman, he was a really wonderful person, my hippie godfather. And, uh, and yeah, so between him and like just being in the woods and just needing to get this shit out of me because it was festering, like it was making me not okay. Um, I needed to do it. And also I was having these conversations with kids and giving high school presentations with to kids and like telling these stories anyway. So that's kind of the, the And so long, do you, do you feel run. better now? Do you feel better now that you did this? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm glad. I feel like it's a purge in a way. I feel like now it's done. I don't have to do it again. Um, and when I read from it, you know, it's, it is, it's like a cleansing. It's like, I'm a re I'm revisiting this from an artistic standpoint, this experience from like a storytelling standpoint and not from like a, 
I'm telling this to my therapist so that they can help me figure out why I'm such a mess <laughs> standpoint. Um, or like telling it to new friends and watching their faces just be like, what? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and also so that now, like, when I do speak to kids... Like, I don't expect them to take in everything the first time. And I expect them to have questions and I expect them to want to know more. And now I can say, like, if you're interested in knowing a deeper, seeing the deeper picture, here, here's this thing. When you get done with it, leave it at your local recruiting station. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thought I thought that, you know, when I read it, um, I didn't feel like you were like completely anti-army, you were kind of just like saying what it was, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. if you think that sounds good, then you'll think the army's good. If you think it sounds bad, then you'll think the army's bad. But I thought you did a really good job of just presenting the facts. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like you had an extreme bias, you know, like you were trashing the army. I mean, I went in. Is it kind of like journalism? (laughs) Well, it was kind of like journalism a little. It was kind of. But i that's to your credit because, I mean, I went in with my own preconceived notions about what the army Mm -hmm. is. It sucks. And if they ever try to come for my boys, they've got to go through (laughs) me. So that ain't going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, I have my own extreme prejudice about it, you know, so I read it and it affirmed what I already thought, but I'm interested in what you think that if someone who was pro army read it or wants to go enlist in the army, I don't necessarily think it would deter them because if they're interested in the army, they're going to read it and go, wow, she had an interesting experience. Gee, I wonder what mine will be like. Because there are some sexy parts to it. I'm sorry, when I saw the pictures of you lounging at the pool at Saddam Hussein's house, I was jealous. I was like, <laughs> I want to see that, you know? So in some ways... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you agree, Sarah? In- um. Just about how there's some kind of sexy parts of, like, or just the whole idea of it kind of being a neutral document in some ways. In some ways. I mean, not really neutral. We know she didn't yeah, have yeah. experience, but. Right, right. Yeah, neutral is the wrong word, but. Yeah, I mean, like, she puts down, like, the dumbass, you know, uh, lieutenant or whatever he's mm-hmm. called. She does do that, but at the same time, I don't feel like she was, you know, saying the army is just the worst thing ever. Without she says that without saying. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, show don't tell, as they tell you in writing class, and it's definitely not not a polemic. I guess would be a much better word than neutral. I might just edit all that part out, but um, yeah, I, I mean, because. I always go on a whole big thing about how there's no neutrality. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, getting back to my point, (laughs) um, I definitely felt that way reading it too. And, you know, it was interesting for me from having kind of an anti-war civilian perspective. Um, And I know I've talked about this before on this pod, but it's still really struck me how even folks like myself who are at least philosophically opposed to war have very little understanding about the current conditions of those who serve in the army. And this book will be very enlightening as to that. Um, And especially folks around my generation, maybe we came of age politically and came into awareness during, you know, the war on terror years. I think it'll be really, um, really insightful without trying to like beat you over the head with the point it's just like this is my story this is what I experienced which I think is it's a much more powerful way to not only make a point but I think also invoke empathy which which okay that's that's exactly just put that on just edit me out that's exactly (laughs) that's exactly what I was trying to say but so much more elegantly put Um, I mean like my favorite chapter was the beige mile 
because I could, I was there. I could see that hallway. I could feel those Mm -hmm. feelings. So, I mean, I thought that was some of, that was some of the best, you know, stuff for me, you know, because once I got into the, that chapter, it really sort of set the table for me to really understand the rest of the book, I think. To understand her mindset. Yeah. And I just, um, just stepping back from like a writing nerd perspective, I really love books that approach novels like short stories and vignette style. I think that that's actually much more powerful because that's more how we live our lives is kind of through a series of vignettes than a narrative that hangs together. So just in terms of the artistic choices made with the structure of the book, my English major nerd background was incredibly pleased. And I think, I think it also makes it digestible for readers because it is a very intense book, depending on what folks are bringing to it. You know, there's some stuff in there that could be potentially a little triggering for folks, but like it gives it to you in these digestible chunks and that are also really powerful chunks. And I really hate that I just used the phrase powerful chunks because that sounds... (laughs) terrible <laughs> that sounds like but that's kind of how it felt to write it like I was blowing powerful chunks all over the page yeah um yeah and and you know it's like I think I think you she's really a character that you want to hang out with mm-hmm. oh, when yeah. you're in the book Aww. you know it's like um because it's you want to see what shenanigans she's going to get up to next type thing. So, I mean, <laughs> oh, I thought shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> I thought those shenanigans. No, but there are a lot of shenanigans in this book. So many, so many. Oh my I, God. I love I when feel you like guys. Are... Go ahead. No, no, I, I want to hear what you say. I, there's a little bit of a delay. Sometimes I start when you before realizing you're yeah. continuing. So go ahead. Um, just, you know, I love the scene where you and your friend went out, you know, tripping. It was mushrooms, right? Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I love that whole thing, you know. So, I mean, there's so many good parts to it. Do you think it, it has potential to be made into a movie, Sarah? Oh, definitely. After I read it, I told her, <laughs> I sent her a text and I was like, you need to start thinking what actors should play you. And she was like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm like, I know. Let me just manifest for you, though, because I really think it could well, actually work well I as mean, a movie. If you could get around. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sam. I was just no, going to say. No, I was interrupting get, you. Because um, I know there, it's hard to get anything an- that is even somewhat anti-war, somewhat critical made now. So maybe you have more perspective on that being, you know, in the film industry. But that's at least what it seems to me is it's a lot harder to get any films that show any nuance about war, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So, Hmm. well, it depends on what you're saying. I think, I think that, I think that um, the, the core nucleus of the, of the characters there. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it were put into deft production hands, you know, the uh, development development people would probably come up with something that was a cross between Hawkeye Pierce and Goldie Hawn in Private Benjamin, and they would make some of the the shenanigans, you know, more silly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or make more more light, more fun. You know, not right. not as not quite as heavy. You know, but I mean, it's it's like when you base a character on someone real, it always is more, there's more, you know, potential for the content. You know, like if somebody just tried to make somebody up, too many of the details won't be accurate, you know, or you'll be Mm -hmm. filling in blanks. Like if I tried to write about an army person, you know, or a person who serves in the army as a journalist and goes through these series of, you know, crazy adventures or whatever, I wouldn't have a point of reference or, you know, a heartbeat for it. Um, Mm. So when you're basing it on a real person, I think it's, that's where, that's why I think it does have potential. What they'll do with it, Joy might not like, 
you know, but <laughs> hey, if she gets a movie made, that would be the worst thing. So, right? Well, I would see yeah. it as like an option to then that would be a, a way to to actually platform what I what I do think. You know, like as far as um, you know, if that's what it takes to to build myself a platform to stand on and talk about, you know, the way. Well, I Well, you'd probably well you probably would end up writing bad reviews about the movie because it doesn't portray (laughs) we could have some really fun controversy actually like intentionally make a movie i don't like and then we can have some drama (laughs) yeah but i mean i (laughs) i think that the core idea of this character is so i think it's prescient for our times really um because like in a in a way similarly to what i was trying to describe and then sarah uh, you know did it more elegantly. I mean, you don't really tell your feelings about it. You show your feelings. And that's kind of what they did in MASH too. You know, Hawkeye, I mean, you knew they all thought the war was stupid, but they don't come right out and say that, you know, so anybody. Very infrequently. Yeah. I mean, if they come out and say, well, you guys are the MASH queen. So, I mean, I defer to your, you know, <laughs> the match. a title today. I never thought I'd wear. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, you know, just from my recollection of mash, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't overtly war sucks and everybody who's for it is an out, you know, an idiot. I mean, it kind of did that, but mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that's similar is what I'm trying to say to Joy's book. Yeah. Like, you know, in a way, you know where she yeah. stands on the topic, but she's not hitting you over the head. Don't, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like in a way that's character driven and story yeah. driven versus yeah. message driven, which yeah. I think is, I'll try not to get a whole tangent, but like my issue with a lot of art, even a lot of times when it's political, even if I agree with the message is that I feel like it's putting the message first and the art second. And I kind of think you need to do it the other way around. Kind of like you have to sneak vegetables into the macaroni and cheese that you're feeding your kids. You have to like make the art first and make sure it's good, you know, quote unquote good art, which is obviously subjective anyway, but you know, like that you're paying attention to the craft of it. And then the message is in there. Um, And then a lot of times you hopefully can do it so organically that you don't have to, go through a big effort to force that message down people's throats. So I feel like maybe occasionally MASH did it, but they were also on the air for like 35 million years. So like, yeah. they're going to run out of things for Hawkeye to say. Hawkeye's going to get drunk <laughs> and ran against the war a few times a season. Escape. But like for the most part, yeah. it's exactly that example of how yeah. you put the character. People love that show, not necessarily because of the message. They love it because of the characters. So yeah. that's, yeah, perfect. I think a really good analogy. Yeah, totally. Mm. And, you know, like Private Benjamin, like that movie, that was, you know, all about the character. Had nothing, mm. you know, war was definitely secondary in that as well. Not that war is secondary in Joy's book, but I think the messages about the resilience of humans and the message that, you know, um, you're, you know, fighting a war that doesn't need to be fought or that shouldn't be being fought or, you know, I mean, all those kinds of things definitely come across, but, you know, I think it's got a lot of humor and grace to it as well. It's just really, it makes me feel good to hear that because that was what I was hoping would come across as opposed to proselytizing. Um, I had to go through several drafts before I could feel like I was not proselytizing actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's hard to write. I mean, I really I really learned that writing my book. Um, you know, it's it takes time and effort, you know, unless you get in front of the computer or the typewriter and start typing. Um, it doesn't happen, you know. And you have yeah. to it's and it's it's a lot to get it over the finish line, but not only just the writing of it, 
you know, it's not enough that you write books. You have to also be a marketing person. <laughs> you know, you have Lord, to like, right? you know, you have to be a publicist, a marketing person. I mean, if you want your book to be read, it takes a lot of effort. And I've talked to, I've met a lot of authors this past year since Blind Pony came out. And they'll tell me the same thing. Their publishers do nothing for them. You know, they end up, not nothing, but um, they end up plugging their own books and getting out there and doing podcasts such as yours or, you know, it takes a lot of effort. So, Mm -hmm. um, so you've got this Kickstarter you started um, to raise some of the funds because it's like a full-time job publicizing a book as well as it's Mm -hmm. expensive to make it. So, um, well, tell us about the Kickstarter. Yeah, the Kickstarter. So I was very scared to do a Kickstarter. I had to, I was like, oh my God, I know I believe in this work, but does, does everybody believe in this work? I don't know. And like, you know, there was just like the anxiety or like, I don't know, just sort of the the feeling of like, if it doesn't get funded, does that mean it's not good? Or like, is this going to be disheartening and all the worry things. Right. And then, but really I wanted to, you know, I've been working on this project for like freaking 10 years or more than 10. If I, considering I wrote the first story in 2008, I've, I've been working on it for 14 years now. So with that in mind, it's like, I want to be like, Hey community, remember this thing that I've been like kind of casually mentioning here and there that I'm working on for all these years. Like it's done. Can you help me make it a thing? And just like I did with my music, you know, it's like, I don't have a record deal, just like I don't have a publisher. So I rely on my community to help me get the word out about the things I'm doing if if they believe in it. And I felt like this would be a good way to reward my community for doing that, you know, like giving perks, giving like, I'm, you know, putting people's names in the acknowledgements, um, you know, in the book or like, you know, I got really sidetracked in promoting the rewards this, this, you know, month because I've been dealing with this, um, with my landlord trying to evict me and it's been really, you know, stressful at the same time. I, in the trial is the day after the Kickstarter ends. I'm just kind of putting this out there for the podcast, for the, what the folk fam to know. I personally have been dealing with, with a seriously illegal eviction attempt that has been stressing me all the way the hell out. And as much as I want to be like putting all my energy into promoting this Kickstarter, I have not had any for it. Um, especially while I'm training for this boxing match. Cause I, you know, ending my day with getting punched in the face, <laughs> which is fun and cathartic. Why are you doing that? It Why are feels you doing so that? good, Sam. It feels so good. Oh my God. I'm so strong. Should be punched I should in show the face? you my arms. No, well, I keeping from getting punched in the face. Yeah. Uh, That's is good. And also punching other people is like it's honestly is one of my favorite activities to do with my lady friends these days it's so fun oh my goodness we like empower each other we strain we compliment each other for like good shots and stuff because we're not trying to kill each other we're trying to strengthen each other you know and actually um just to do a little teaser I've been writing about my training and about all of this and it's gonna be probably like a novella or something or like a short piece at some point because it's getting long um yeah so I'll go into a lot more detail about why I'm doing it in that but right now (laughs) it's it's actually it's helping me get the toxins and the stress out from all of this shit why is your landlord trying to evict you I complained about the upstairs tenants um being hostile and aggressive uh and he downplayed my complaint escalated the conflict, refused to really address it. And then when it escalated, as I told him, like, I'm a veteran with PTSD. And, um, you know, if your upstairs tenants are hostile and aggressive to me um, repeatedly, it's going to trigger me. And that's not going to be pretty (laughs) Um, because I don't like I, I don't live with roommates intentionally because it's just easier to not have to um deal with that kind of thing when you are living with a trauma brain, you know, which is different from a non-trauma brain. Trauma brain creates like really intense reactions to things that are perceived as threats. And it makes almost everything be perceived as a threat once, once that scene is set. So, um, 
you know, the, the conflict escalated as I predicted it would. They kept being really um, hostile and aggressive. And finally, I lost my temper at them. And they made a fraudulent police call, claimed I had threatened them. And when the police showed up, I was very triggered, but I still managed to explain the situation to them. And they actually took my side, which I'm like, apparently the police are can be reasonable in Portland. I don't know. It was women police. And they looked like they were younger than me, and that helped me be calm. But um, I was just like, look, you know, these people are being really impossible to live underneath. And if you want me to not be freaked out, like, like go deal with that. And they did. And, um, I've, I still think we need to abolish the police. That was still not the correct agency to deal with that situation. Armed people should not be showing up at the door of a triggered disabled veteran. Like that should not happen. Um, But so as a result, my landlord decided the easiest thing to do would be to evict me and tell me that I had been disturbing their peace by telling them to not disturb mine. (laughs) And, um, And so he started this whole process. And it's very frustrating and it's very, like, disheartening because I feel like I've done a lot of work on my trauma to be able to try to handle the situation and see it coming and be like, hey, landlord, like, can you handle this? Like, these aren't my friends really. Like we kind of were friendly, but now we're not. And, um, it's not my job to deal with them. And that's sort of, and so, yeah, like that's the situation and he's been really unreasonable. So now I have to go to trial and it's like this whole thing, right? It's shenanigan after shenanigan. (laughs) Well, I think, I think, you know, I think you're, I think if you go to trial, you'll win. If you keep your head together. I think, yeah, I've got documentation of all of this. So I'm not, it, yeah, it's, but to me, it's also, it's kind of like a culmination of all of the oppression that I'm talking about in the mm-hmm. book, all of the times that I couldn't stand up for myself and I couldn't advocate for myself. And I had mm-hmm. all of these people who were supposed to be protecting me, attacking. Right. And that's a situation that's actually repeating right now. And now, you know, I'm almost, I'm, I'll be 40 this year and I'm coming at it from, a space of having done a lot of work, a lot of writing, a lot of editing, (laughs) a lot of real talk with myself and a lot of therapy. Um, and a lot of just learning about life, the universe and everything to where I can be like, you know, I don't need to be bullied by these people. I don't need to be intimidated by their lawyers. Um, Yeah. I know what, what reality is. And, and it inspired me to take the LSAT and I'm going to do that and go to law school. So, um, there's a lot on my plate right now. And one of the many things is trying to get this Kickstarter funded. <laughs> so, Hey, what the folk fam, if you can help with that, like, share so how do they whatever. find it? How do they find it? At <clears throat> Kickstarter easily. They can go to my website, joydamiani.com. D A M I A N I is how you spell Damiani. Oh, and they can also watch the trailer that you made, which I'm very excited to share, which, um, features my music. Okay. Or if you log on to Kickstarter, you can find it. Under Yeah, search either Joy Damiani or the the title of the book, which I haven't even said. And this podcast is <laughs> a super, super responsible self-marketing author is If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Tryin' and Other Lessons I Learned in the Army. So if you search either of those terms, you should come up with it. <clears throat> but the easiest way is to go to my website or search my name on Kickstarter. We'll also have links in the show notes. Um, If anyone follows us on social media, I'll repost about it around this episode. But if you go to our Instagram at what the folk pod and go to our link tree, it's the first link on our link tree. Okay, cool. First Uh, link. Yeah. Most important. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So when does the book come out? I know. The book comes out November 11th. (laughs) Yes, totally. Thank you. No, you're Sam, you're an excellent interviewer. We might just need to like have you be a guest host regularly. This is <laughs> Yeah. Um I it, the book comes out November 11th, Veterans Day this year, 2022. It will be available on all platforms. If you do the Kickstarter, um there I I don't know if I teased this, but there's a chance that I will release the PDF early. Um 
And uh, I know I'm going to be releasing it to a couple people who are going to write reviews. If anybody out there listening is a review writer and wants to write a review, um, holler. Holler at Chipod. <laughs> and uh, I will send you a PDF or an advanced copy and we will we can make it happen because um, I'm not only interested in everybody's feedback, but if you like it, I would love for you to <laughs> share it and well, spread the when word. Are, when, are you, when are you going to print with it? Soon. As soon as the Kickstarter is done, I'm going to finalize the acknowledgements page and all the things and um, and get the design completely finalized and, and send it off. I'm going to do it through um, Ingram Spark, I believe. Mm-hmm. I did I did a little research, and I think Ingram Spark is going to be the, the best option as opposed to the Kindle. I think, I think actually, for any other self-publishing authors who are out there, Ingram Spark and um, Kindle is Amazon's like Kindle Direct Press, I think is what it's called, are like the two big ways to self-publish digitally and physically distribute your book. Um, so I'm going to be, I believe, using the KDP for ebook and mm-hmm. Spark for um, physical copies, and I'll know more about that. I'll do, I'll be sending out updates with the Kickstarter. Like after the Kickstarter ends, I'll keep sending out updates about the progress so that people who fund it will know. Um, exactly yeah, what the I, is. I think Ingram Spark, from my experience, was really good. My book, even though with all the supply chain issues and people complaining, I've heard you know, you know, big authors complaining they can't get their books, and um, I've. I had no problem so far, maybe because my sales aren't through the roof, but I know that like, you know, people, when they order the book, they can get it pretty much right away. So it, it doesn't feel, I know it's print on demand, but I think that based on how many, I had a lot of pre pre-release orders. And so they were able to, I think they have a sort of a method of like, if you have this many pre-release orders, then you're going to need this much, you know, to, for the first six months or whatever. So they kind of Mm -hmm. printed a lot in advance for me. So that was good. So I think it's, that's why you got to get, get those pre-release orders. Anybody listening, go on Amazon. If you're going to buy it, go on Amazon now (laughs) and pre-order it. I will pre-order it right now. So I would love it if um, people would not only do that, but if you fund the Kickstarter, that's essentially a pre-order. And, um, and it's a pre-order that comes with perks and that's great, but it's not going to count toward the total like Amazon pre-sales. So just bear that in mind. Um, you know, this is a weird world. We're figuring it out as we go along. And I would really like to, um, you know, sell tons of these books, not just for money, but for, to know that like it's getting, the words are getting out there and, that the stories are getting told. And like you said, it's not necessarily to turn anyone's mind one way or another, but to give people the truth that they're not getting and let them make up their own minds. Um, because that's sort of where we're at these, these days. And I, you know, I want to, I want to be making art that is, is going to, you know, be helpful not necessarily like useful, but helpful. I want to. I want to I wanna make healthy art. <laughs> so, Joy, tell us about where you came up with this title from for your book. Ah, yes. The title is based is taken from the first, um, the second chapter, and it's taken from actual words spoken to me by uh, my drill sergeant one of my drill sergeants in basic training who really, I think saw me as the total hot mess that I was and was trying to, he like broke character in a way to, to kind of break it down for me because he saw that I was going to be struggling if I didn't learn this lesson really quick. Um, if, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And, uh, and if you get caught, you ain't trying hard enough was the end of it. Um, and he really, I think, I think he just, he felt bad for me. I was, 
um, a lost soul who had stumbled into the army. <laughs> and, and I think he just sort of saw that. And, uh, it was in the context of having made a very silly and inconsequential mistake and sort of outing myself for it and having him kind of just look at me and be like, you, and it like, you didn't need to do that. Like stop shooting yourself in the foot soldier is basically what his face said. And, um, and then, you know, it turned out I, and that was like the first week of basic training. And I still, to this day, um, think it was the most profound lesson I learned in the military, aside from when one of my, uh, sergeants left me a to-do list when he was leaving to deploy, he convinced the command that he should deploy instead of staying back in the garrison. And he had been my boss and he left me this long to-do list, and the end of it just said, trust no one. <laughs> and, That's funny. Uh, so it was like those two, those two pieces, those two bookends were kind of the core of the lessons I learned in the military. And, um, and I just still to this day think it's hilarious that that, that, that truth got dropped on me in the first week, you know. So if you ain't cheating, you aren't trying and trust no one. <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> That's the army. And, uh, yeah. And honestly, like, it was funny, and it's still funny. And everybody in the military, every all my other veterans that I've talked to, everybody who's been in the military, they all have heard some iteration of that. And they all know it. Um, and they all know true. Like, the military will will fuck you. We'll fuck you. So you've you like you like you are not ever going to be able to fuck the military as hard as it is going to fuck you every day all the time. So, you know, that's essentially what it is. It's like you've you've got to play the game to survive in this in this military. And I was never good at playing the game. I was always me. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> were you ever worried that you were going to get sued by anybody in the army? when you were writing this book? Because you do say a lot of <laughs> things. So you disclose a lot of very personal things in the book. Were you afraid you were going to get sued? Is that why you're taking the elf tats? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, that's why I changed, I changed the names of the people who I thought might sue me in the military, um, in the book. I, I thought there were, there were a few people whose names are searchable and identifiable and who have themselves personally made names for themselves in different ways for better or worse. And, um, and I was like, you know, I would like to let them come forward if they want, but otherwise just know who they are. Um, and, uh, and not, I'm not here to flame anyone or drag anyone or do like a, um, expose. Like, I think the military does a fantastic, job of exposing itself just by being really shitty at covering up truth. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, hold any grudges or like get any vengeance on people who fucked my life up in the military. Like I think karma will, will get them in the ways that it does. And, you know, I don't need to um, put their names out there. They're not doing me any harm anymore. And some them may have even had decent intentions. You never know. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a thing I have thought about is, you know, it would be nice to have this book be effective enough to get banned. You know, that'd be great. I'd be stoked. <laughs> I want this book to be on the banned books list. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, considering some of the books, uh, that have been banned recently, you might get your wish girl. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, there is some there is some content in here in the book that is, you know, quite controversial. I would say, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, this this for me, that's my truth. Is like, I came to all those all those controversial stances through a like very honestly, you know, through a space of like honest inquisition and curiosity and being like, what is actually going on here? Because I didn't know. I didn't. 
I had no freaking clue what the military was. And so it's like there are times like like it might seem controversial to somebody who is invested in the narrative that the military is good. But to somebody who is just living the life of a soldier, it's just reality. And um, and the military goes to great effort and expense to hide that reality. And that, I think, is what is controversial. And, um, you know, I guess in the words of Anne Lamott, like, if people wanted you to write better about them, they should have behaved better. <laughs> yeah. That sums it up. Be better. <laughs> Just be better and... and People have lots of great things to say. And it's a note to myself as well, you know? Like, I'm definitely not always my best self. But now that I'm putting out all my all my history and vulnerability and, and um, you know, experience for the world to read, um, I'm just going to have to thicken my skin and be fine with people not always not always seeing where I'm coming from, just as I do with my music. Why don't you give the neighbors upstairs with the book? Oh, I certainly will. They get free copies if I'm still living here when it comes out. I hope that this experience teaches these people to be decent to others and not be controlling and not be bullies, but I don't think it will. Um, and I don't take it personally, you know? Like, they're doing them. They're They're, you know... Rich kids from California gonna be rich kids from California. <laughs> so um, I'm not I'm not surprised. It's just one of those things. And yeah, and uh, this book has been a really awesome thing for me to be focusing on to take some of my energy away from that um, stress and just the life stress that continues even after mm -hmm. the war and because of it because of the war. I think it's fitting that I'm publishing this book while dealing with the um, realities of, of well, especially a war that shouldn't have ha a, sh a war that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, no war should happen. Really, like, they're all for they're all for power and control yeah. and resources, money. Yeah, it's like app right here. It's called Audible. Oh, is actually a better way. Ah, my phone just went off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so are, you, um, are you gonna do yeah. an audible book, Joy? <laughs> segue, Sam. We're not even yeah. gonna edit that out. <laughs> um, I I would like to, if the opportunity presents itself to, if I can fund that, if you know, if the Kickstarter gets funded, I will do it. Um, and I because then I will have certainly the resources to properly produce it and um, to to put it out there for sure. And I'll have the time to devote to it because it won't be a, a quick, easy task, as you know, have read, having oh, read your own. It was the most audio. painful thing I've ever done in my life. It was <laughs> horrible, but yeah. I, you know, I would, I would strongly recommend it. Mm -hmm. I would, I would strongly yeah, recommend like to. you do it. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear from the, what the folk fam, um, what they think, and um, if they have, if anybody listening has any questions, feel free to um, just send them our way um, through Twitter, Instagram, uh, or drop a comment on any of our platforms. Leave us a review, um, you know, telling us what you think of what's going on. And because, um, you know, we like to hear from you. We're kind of out here in the ether and, um, and our goal is kind of communication through the apocalypse. You know? Like we're <laughs> yep. we're in this space of deep unveiling, and hopefully, this podcast is contributing to some of the unveiling um, a little bit. And that's what my book is trying to do. And I want to hear from everybody else, hear what their experiences, what your experiences. Yes, we love hearing from you. So keep the conversation going. And support good art. Um, thank you, and and thank you, yeah, Samantha thank you so Hart, much, thank you Sam. so much. Oh, <laughs> thank you for coming back. Thank you. And, you know, you guys make it look easy to go on a podcast and ask people questions. It's not that easy, you know. It's like, well, I do, I do <laughs> have not, a lot of questions. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I have a lot of things that, you know, I'm eager to ask, but 
yeah, you feel kind of on the spot on the podcast. You know, it's like, does that sound stupid? <laughs> or, no, no, but I know Sarah, yeah, I know Sarah will edit me to sound. Yeah, yeah. We're strong. Yep. I will too. We have a we have a team editing process. It'll it'll be good. So I think this is a great yeah. place to tie a bow okay. on it. And um All right. And, well nice yeah. to see both of you. Yeah, it's great and to keep see you. Keep me posted. Thank Bye-bye. You. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, What the Folk Fam. Here to take you out is a song that I wrote that I like to share on and around Memorial Day. It's called Yellow Ribbon, and it goes out to all of my fellow veterans who do not like being thanked for our service because we don't think of the military as a service. So sending love out to all of you out there and gratitude that you're still here and uh, and just a lot of love to those who should never have been sacrificed for these wars that don't seem to ever end. Love y'all. Here's Yellow Ribbon. Produced and co-hosted by Sarah Baranowskis and Joy Damiani. Sarah is based on the native lands of Arapaho, Cheyenne, Ute, and Ocheti Shakoan tribes known as Denver, Colorado. Joy is based on the native lands of the Cowlitz, Clackamas, 
Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde, and Confederated Tribes of Siletz Indians, known as Portland, Oregon. Our guest host for this episode has been Samantha Hart, who you can find at samanthahart.net. Featured music on this episode has been If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Tryin', and Yellow Ribbon by Joy Damiani. Our website is whatthefolkpod.com. You can follow us on the socials at whatthefolkpod and contact us at whatthefolkpod at gmail.com. Our theme music is from In a Major Key by Joy Damiani, whose music and writing you can find at joydamiani.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We're so happy you're here, and we will be here as long as you are. Let's just say that. Until next time, please do not let the apocalypse get you down.